Welcome to the latest episode of Red Devil Talk, podcast number 30. Today on the show, I'm delighted to be joined by my friend Dale O'Donnell, editor of the excellent Stretty News. How are things, Dale? Good, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. I've seen in the last few weeks you some brilliant guests on Good United Speaker, so I'm delighted to be joining those list of guests. Pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. I think it's been an interesting month for United. The defeat to Arsenal, then there was the defeat to Istanbul, and you're thinking defeat to Everton might be the final nail in the coffin. Now, all of a sudden, we've three league games won in a row. And if we win our game in hand, we could go to fourth. Football is funny, isn't it? The way the mood can change around the fan base. It is because not long ago, we were looking at reports in the media about Solskjaer being sacked and meetings with Pochettino. And it's just incredible that two weeks ago, we, over t- we took over City in the league table and Guardiola was given a new contract. There was no talk about his future. And it's, it's just very, very different. I know the Guardiola's CV speaks for itself, but I look at other managers like Lampard, um, Arteta, who I think were, were always given a very easy ride in comparison. And it's just great to see someone who understands Man United. And it, I don't think he's doing um, any rocket science behind the scenes. I think he's just keeping everyone level-headed and everyone towards an, an objective there's no there's no taking sides there's no arguments there's nothing what we've seen like under Jose Mourinho and I think that to break up what he has at the moment is dangerous for a long-term view of the club um, results aren't perfect I expect better sometimes you don't get results in football and sometimes you have to sit on your hand and, and say right we're going to give this guy a bit of time because behind it all I can see what he's doing now if you want to talk about the last month, what we've seen in the past few weeks is that he's finally beginning to kind of form his front three. We have Martial might be pushed out wide with Rashford and Cavani being that central piece. And I think that's what he's working towards. If that works and we form on something, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be with egg on their face about maybe deleting tweets that they posted in the past month about Solskjaer. But I'm delighted to see this upturn. I'm not surprised. I think people were very premature when things weren't going away at the beginning of the season. Because if you ask any fan of any club, I don't think they'd be happy right now with their Premier League form. It's been inconsistent to everyone. You touched on something there. I just want to go back to it for a minute. You said that to replace Solskjaer at the minute would be mm. dangerous. I totally yeah. agree with that because we've been hearing these links with Pochettino for a number of months now. I think if we replace Solskjaer, it's another reset job. Yeah, yeah. We're back to the start, because Pochettino's going to come in. He's going to want his own players. He's going to get rid of some of these players. He's going to see United's identity, their style of play as something totally different. It would set yeah. us back probably two years. It, it, it's the other thing that, I, that I'm really enjoying about Solskjaer's reign is that no matter how bad the results have been, the players have never been pointing the finger towards him. And I think there's a sense that the dressing room is still very much united. Where I'm coming from with this danger aspect 
is if you rip that up, if you take away Soldier, I think there's a lot of players there that would be quite annoyed. I look at even players like Fred, who was completely rolled off after his first season at the club. Mourinho didn't rate him. And he has this new lease to life under Solskjaer. And he has, a, he has a purpose in the team. People actually want him to start games now. You look at Rashford has come back after his long-term injury. And he seems to have matured in the sense that he knows he's not going to be the, the main goal-scoring outlet of the team, but he's fitting into a role to accommodate other players. I think, I look at Klopp, and it took him years to get those little pieces together. I don't expect us to be challenging for a title this season. I didn't last year, and we finished third. We finished behind City and Liverpool. Who expected us to finish above them? And with how poor we started the season, how things are changing now, winner game in hand, we're right back up there. Right back there. Now, the problem, and I know you, you, we're going to talk about it, is consistency. But that comes when the finer pieces are together. And I don't see why ripping up what we have now and sacking the manager and bringing in Pochettino, who, by the way, I'm a big fan of. But he hasn't won anything to go on. We're still, <laughs> I guess we're pissing in the wind, really, hiring Pochettino and just hoping that it doesn't blow back at us. What's your understanding of the Pochettino links? Do you think it's paper talk or do you think it's genuine? A few months ago, I was, I was told that there was there was contact. Um, the club, the club are rubbishing that their 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 stance that they're firmly behind Solskjaer and that they have no intention of sacking him. I don't think he'll be sacked. I don't think, I think that kind of contact is more to sound out, which I don't have a problem with. I think Manchester United should always be in looking out at different managers and trends and not not pursuing them, but but definitely sounding them out because. There will be a time when Solskjaer won't be manager. Uh, and the next manager, like we've seen with Ferguson, if we could, if we had the science, we would have just cloned him and, and had him forever. Um, but a, a football club like Bayern Munich, they operate in a way that they look at trends, they look at what coaches are doing well in the Bundesliga. And it's just a way to stay on top of things. The Pochettino talk, look, I think it's a real hindrance because behind it all, Solskjaer might get time because he's, he's a legend. He might, that might buy him time. I don't see anything wrong with that. I think it's quite amazing that Manchester United can buy someone time for what he's done in the past. I think that's an honour to someone. And I just think the fans, when they're on social media, constructive criticism is fine. I don't think Solskjaer is the greatest tactician. But the lack of disrespect that I've seen out there and people calling them all sorts, he's a club legend at the end of the day. Um, he's not Jose Mourinho, who is slamming players publicly. Um, and I don't think he's done anything that I've, called, that I've seen that offensive, really. So it's crazy. It's crazy how people react nowadays. I don't have a problem with him not slamming players publicly. Mm. I think Mourinho, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Mourinho. I am. I think his approach, the way he calls out players in the media is shocking at times. I don't have a problem that Solskjaer doesn't do that. Because I believe he does it behind closed doors, yeah. which is the way it should be done. Mm. No, absolutely. And what, what I was told from, from a number of sources, Solskjaer's way isn't necessarily to, to roar at players. It could be a subtle word or two. Um, and and I, I, I can imagine, I can picture what that's like. And apparently the players go around and it's not as if they felt like they got a rollicking. It's more so that they felt that they've disappointed them. Um, and listening to and reading books about Alex Ferguson, there's traits there. Um, and it, it, it's, it's not ridiculous to, to pull comparisons to Solskjaer and Ferguson, little things. I'm not saying they're the same, same person, but Solskjaer learned under, under Fergie. 
and he is going to take trades. Um, and as well as that, I don't expect anyone, whether we sack Solskjaer or not, I don't expect any manager to come in and be the finished article. Because with this job, it changes people. It's the biggest job in football. There's no one that is ready-made for the Manchester United job. You come in and you kind of have to change some of your ways to adapt. So this takes time. And if, if as football fans, we want a long-term view, which I believe most Manchester United fans do, long-term success, I do believe we should bite our, bite our tongue for the time being and just see, ride out some of the, the rough waves and see where we can go at the end of the season. Let's jump to the weekend's game. Southampton 2, United 3. It was like watching the great United teams that we grew up, wasn't it? 2 yeah, down, grabbing victory from defeat. They don't make it easy for themselves, though. No, and it was the first game in some time that... Even whilst behind, I had a feeling that we were going to come back. And I think it was a lot to do with, I never felt that Southampton were the better side um, against us at St. Mary's. I thought that they scored the first goal against the run of play. The second goal, then we can be more angry with Fred than we can be with De Gea because he shouldn't be fouling at that, in that area when you have James Ward-Prowse taking free kicks. Free kick was stunning. Um, I don't think there's a, a goalkeeper in the league that's stopping it. It's inch perfect. Uh, and De Gea does well to get a hand on it. Um, unfortunately, injured as a result. But, but yeah, the c- comeback's important because Solskjaer is trying to, is trying to install a, a winning mentality into this team. And if they can believe with the injection of Edison Cavani that that's possible, I hope, I hope we're going to win a run and we see a few more comebacks because that's what lifts aside and that's what boosts morale. Um, and I think right now, going into the game against PSG, tomorrow night um, and West Ham at the weekend two wins on the board again and we'll be in good form I think the weekend's game for me it encapsulates Solskjaer's reign in many ways unpredictable inconsistent though at times electrifying exciting I know that you like myself we've, we've already kind of touched on it you're one of the more patient fans when it comes to Solskjaer I'm happy to accept there will be bumps along the way because at times I really feel that the potential for United under Solskjaer is great. But you touched on it, the consistency. You never know what United are going to get. It's still a concern, Dale. Absolutely. And I, I think come to the end of the season, if Manchester United are not in top four, I do think then there are definitely questions to be asked because this team is definitely capable of qualifying for the Champions League. Um, and a manager's job is to get the most out of his players. Now, I believe we will. Um, I think we'll finish third, if, if not better, this season. Um, I think this team has, has enough firepower going forward to beat any team in the league on its day. Um, Edison Cavani, Marcus Rashford, Martial, keep them fit. Now, there's question marks over, over Martial. No question about it. He, he notched over 20 goals last season, but I think what we've seen this term is... Something that maybe epitomises Solskjaer's reign too, as you've mentioned, ups and downs. We see Martial at times and he's firing in all cylinders and we see him other times and he can't hit, can't hit the back of the net. Um, so it, it's the case for pretty much the whole team. Now, I do think the likes of Cavani coming in, that experience can make a big difference because the team still feels relatively new because we're not 100% set on a midfield. We've new signs that are playing games and, and not playing games. So... Over 100 games into your reign, you should be expected to have your nailed on first 11. And he hasn't got that yet. But come the end of the season, if they're not in top four, 
patient Reds like us might have to scratch our heads a bit and ask serious questions. But I am confident. I think we will. I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine. There was so much worrying at the start of the season. And what's made it so much better is we're not the only fans worrying. There's Liverpool fans there that they're at least seven points off their tally that they were this time last year. Leicester lost to Fulham last night. City are below us in the table. This isn't an ordinary um, Premier League season. There's been no pre-season either. So many factors. So I'm not ruling out our chances of, um, of boiling some piss this season. I, I just can't. We, you don't know what's going to happen. Like we said at the start, if they win their game, they're in the conversation. I'm not saying they're yeah. going to win the league, but they're in the conversation. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I think the league is so open this year that I, like, people are talking about Spurs. And, and and rightly so, but it's it's equally as ridiculous to talk about Spurs winning the Premier League as it is Manchester United right now. Equally, why? Leicester won in a few seasons ago, and people will happily talk about Leicester mounted a challenge. They won't talk about Man United. But who finished above Leicester last season? So people want to write off Manchester United the whole time. I believe that this season is going to be so unpredictable. Anything could happen. You have injuries to Liverpool. They could hit a real slump at some stage. And what happens then? Title is wide open. So look, right now you have City below us at the table. I guarantee you, they're going to be in the top three come May. Guarantee it. It's, it's just so unpredictable. Guardiola, again, is a great coach, but he's struggling. He's struggling to get results. I'm not, like, I know I referenced him, but the whole thing is when a manager's getting results, the, the, only, the only answer is not the sack. Sometimes there's multiple factors. There could be decisions go against your way. Could be players out out in out injured or players not at a hundred percent match fit fitness. We all know that before a ball is kicked, before the season starts. But it goes out people's minds when results go to shit. What I'm saying is people need to really sit down after games and really think about the overall picture. And it's not the end of the world. What I've seen so far this season. A lot of encouraging signs. Um, but also a lot of things that need to be improved. You touched on Cavani there a moment ago. Uh, Daniel Storey of the Irish Examiner wrote on Sunday, suddenly he is Solskjaer's go-to forward. Now I have to admit that when Cavani signed, I had my doubts. You know, he's 33. The wages he was on, I don't think any United fan would actually suggest he was Solskjaer's first-choice target, maybe not even second or third-choice target. Was it just one final payday? You know, all these concerns. But all of a sudden, you have to say it looks like a decent bit of business. I, I think what Manchester United have been pushing for the past few years that they're really doing a lot of research into the profile and the players and the background of the players. And if you look at Cavani's career, he, he hasn't suffered from many injuries. Um, in terms of fighting, he doesn't fight off the pitch. He fights on the pitch to score goals. And he's a lethal goal scorer. So I think... We're, Everything that happened with Jadon Sancho, and he was the primary target, but the club were not willing to spend over $100 million for him. That was never going to happen. I think Manchester United were lucky that Cavani was available because it's not the worst option to fall on. Now, something that I looked at during the summer was when Liverpool signed Diego Jota, he was kind of seen as maybe their second-choice goal-scoring outlet from Roberto Firmino to come in if needed, a plan B perhaps, and he's been a lot better than that. But I was looking at Manchester United asking, what is our plan B? It was a Gallo. Now, I'm not under the impression he's anywhere near good enough to be that plan B. So when I seen Cavani coming, my reaction was good. Okay, that's that kind of option we can have. 
But now I'm looking differently at a bigger picture because I've seen them play. And I can see Cavani being part of a front three with Rashford and Martial. When that starts clicking, and I think it will, I, th- I think we're going to wipe away some teams. Now, that said, and I mentioned this, improvements are needed. We're, we're, I think we're very much a team that needs to outscore the opponent. Looking at our defence, we, we're not strong enough defensively. Um, every week, every week without fail, a goal is nearly conceded from concentration lapses from someone not picking up a man. Um, and it's infuriating because before, during the weekend against Southampton, we had a number of corners our way and they came up nothing. And as soon as Southampton got one, they scored. That was the angry part of it because are they not doing this in, in, in training every weekend? It's very clear defence isn't good enough. But I think that the forward players will, will make that key difference. Hi, this is Ken Hardy, and you're listening to Red Devil Talk, the podcast with Jimmy Williams. If you compare the two halves, obviously Rashford and Greenwood started against Southampton. For most of that first half, they drifted wide, which to me is so frustrating because you want your forwards in the box. I think the introduction of Cavani, United were a different team. The movement, particularly for that second goal, I mean, the way he got in front of his man. I don't believe any other United striker scores that goal. The way he attacks that ball, he's creating angles. I mean, he's made a career out of that run in and around the front post. It's so refreshing to have a genuine out-and-out centre-forward again. I'm actually really excited, Dale. Yeah, you're excited because you're guaranteed to win games with a player like that. Um, we we drawed too many games last season. And it's, it was frustrating at times because we didn't have that centre-forward, that real number nine who, who runs into space and aggressively runs into space because... It, it, the one thing I've noticed about Martial does not score enough headers. He doesn't score anywhere near enough headers. Whereas Cavani just comes to the United and scored a header brace in a game, in, in a performance that won us the match. You know, that's the difference. You could see by him the clear aggression. And, and I think there's a few, there's a few centre-backs in England looking at him, not looking forward to coming up against him. Because I got the same kind of instinct of, of Slatan Ibrahimovic. Um, throws his weight around, isn't a nice guy when you're playing against him. And he's exactly the kind of guy you want in your corner. Except for when you're Lingard and he's doing kung fu kicks towards us in celebration. But look, you're excited and that's the way you should feel because when a new signing comes in because Cavani's a dog's bollocks and he warrants excitement. And it's 33, all these things that go against him. But he's come to Manchester United and he's aware of that. He doesn't want his time at one of the biggest clubs in the world to be tarnished by, ah, he went there for a payday. Ah, he went there at 33. He was a washed up whale anyway. He wants to be remembered at Old Trafford the same way Slatsan was because also there was a bit of a, com- bit of a competition between two of them in Paris. So, and I'm sure that would continue because Slatsan's definitely going to bring it up if, if Cavani doesn't score for United. Let's chat Donny van de Beek. His first Premier League start. United's decision to sign him was, of course, criticised. In my opinion, I thought that was really premature. It was only about five games in, which to me is knee-jerk. I think his quality is obvious. I mean, he started back-to-back games now, and I think he's been really impressive in both games. He's such an intelligent player, and particularly without the ball. I mean, the positions he takes up on the field, he's so clever. I think we have a really brilliant midfielder on our hands in Van de Beek. Do you think that criticism 
of United at the start was premature. What's your view on that? I think it's something I've touched on recently about Solskjaer as well. Is when it's Manchester United, it's a different kettle of fish. So people people exaggerate and and they see that Manchester United sell more papers than anyone else in the world. They have a new sign in there who's who's being bedded in. I'm not going to say was being let out because Solskjaer has said from the very beginning that Donny Van de Beek will get his opportunities, and I believe them. Five games in, and people were, were, were showing ties out of the pram, and this is proof that he never wanted them. And crap, this is a player who ha- has about 12 international caps under his belt. Um, Kempt United from, from Ajax, and it's, it's, it's common to one of the most difficult leagues in the world. Solskjaer, his man management of these players has been fantastic. Even Greenwood lately, taking him out of the spotlight and stuff. Because with Donny van der Beek, as a manager, he wants him to hit the ground running. So we gave him a few minutes, some sub cameos, and I'm sure Donny van der Beek was fuming, and, 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 as he should be. Whenever you're not playing, you should be wanting to play. But I think he understood that the manager was going to bed him in eventually, and he has done. And in the last two games, like you mentioned, he's played really well. But nobody is willing to, to praise Solskjaer on that. Okay, because he does deserve praise for it. Van de Beek deserves praise for it because he's come in. And the one thing I've really liked about him is, and I know we're going to talk about Paul Pogba. And one of the things that irks me with Pogba is when he, when he gets a touch on the ball and there's a bit of space, he seems to canter. And he takes a big, big, long stretch of stride. And it takes time out of the game. It takes a few seconds. Donny van de Beek takes a touch or two and the ball is moved on. It's quick. Transitions are happening. And I think that's why you're seeing why Manchester United, with a two-goal deficit, were able to break down Southampton at the weekend and score three second-half goals. I think that's very important. Transitions, when they're slow, is why you can't break down teams because they get back into position. Donny van de Beek's approach is very different. You mentioned off the ball. When he's not on the ball, he's almost also working into areas that when he receives the ball, he knows what he's going to do. And when we were 3-2 up against Southampton, he was just spraying the ball around the pitch like David Beckham apart. And I was thinking, right, I wish we had this at the beginning of the season, but maybe I know why we didn't. Maybe I know because in the long run, he's going to be in the team now and he's ready. Like Avani, he's ready. You could understand if after 20, 25 games, Donny van de Beek was on the bench, not getting games. To me, it's just another stick to beat Solskjaer with. Yeah, Solskjaer is yeah. weak. It's not a Solskjaer sign-in. He's a puppet of the Glazers. Nonsense. It's nonsense. Absolutely. It is nonsense because you don't, it's not FIFA, okay? You don't just sign five players in the summer and throw them all in the first week and week after week after week. Because what a lot of these people on Twitter forget about is that Solskjaer also has a squad of 20 or so players, players that were here previous season. So, thank God they're not managers because the rest of the players that have always been there will be pushed aside like, like old ties that a child doesn't want anymore. You know, it's, a, it, it's a squad. A football team is a squad. And it's like Solskjaer stressed this season that players are under a lot of pressure. We talk about a hectic period. It's been hectic from the beginning. We've had nearly two games every week. And you have to balance that out. You have to balance it out. And now we're hitting the busy period. Donny van der Beek has come in. Like I said, they're ready. Um, and I think Manchester United fans have a, have a right to be more confident than a lot of others right now. Like you look at Arsenal. They bet us and they thought the league was over. 
and they're an absolute mess since. Arteta was a genius a month ago, yeah. and Ian yeah, Wright was... said, Ian Wright said United would challenge for the league under Arteta. But you see, what happened was he got a good few results, and, and um, Pep Guardiola blocked him off WhatsApp. So they're, not, <laughs> they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not sharing any more intel anymore. Another thing that excites me is Bruno's reaction to Cavani's equaliser. He's not mm, celebrating. No. He wants the ball back. He wants to get the win. The mindset to not be happy with a draw. The never say die attitude, if you like, which of course was the cornerstone of the great United teams under Ferguson. Solskjaer deserves a massive amount of credit for that. The manner in which he's gone about eradicating the negative atmosphere, if you like, which was without doubt there when he took over from Mourinho. Again, he deserves massive credit for that. No, oh, definitely. And Bruno, Bruno Fernandes is the Portuguese, right, Keen? Um, they're, 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 they're different players, different types of players, but the determination to win uh, and the recklessness to do that is uncanny between the both of them. Um, and I, I, I think Rio Ferdinand was questioning whether Bruno Fernandes is a big enough leader for the team. You need leaders, not one leader. And the, the influence he's brought to this team has been incredible. Like, I, can't, I cannot fall Fernandes at all. He's been just amazing. Cavani, Fernandes, Rashford, Martial, get all them clicking at once. You won't lose football matches. You just won't. You can't lose football matches. Now, again, I'll, I'll raise questions about that defence, and I will till the end of the season until it's addressed. Um, but look, it is what it is. This team can can beat teams. This team can definitely beat teams. We're on about consistency. It's not there yet, but. Surely, surely this team can get on a winning run. It has done in the past two seasons under this, this manager. And I think one long winner run could be enough to jump and, and make a big gap in the table to, to, to get top four at the very least. We've mentioned a number of times that consistency is an issue. But what we do have is character. We have people who want to play for the manager. Now, I mentioned this in a number of podcasts recently, that towards the end of Mourinho's reign, I didn't really like the team. I didn't have a favourite player. There was no one I could really look at and identify with and say, God, I think you're, you're given everything. Yeah. Whereas with these players, yes, there will be bumps along the road, but I actually like them. Oh, 100%. Because, because when they play now, they play um, furniture. They're, they're working yeah. hard. You can, you can see the work there. You can see when they went two goals behind that they're still working hard to change matters and turn the game on its head. I think so, Mourinho made so many enemies in the dressing room that it was just like a, like a conflict and war between everyone. Um, and everyone was pointing the finger at who was at fault and he'd pick on certain defenders. And it, it wasn't a happy camp. You're right about characters because what Solskjaer has come in, he, he's, he's talked about his boys or his lads. Everyone has a nickname, by the way, as well. Uh, and little things like that, I think, have lifted the dressing room. And I'm going to go back to the point I said that if they did ax him, it would be very dangerous. Because I look at Bruno Fernandes, who we've just mentioned. He's someone who's very behind Solskjaer. The second that there was any reports of a, an issue between two of them this season, Fernandes used his international break to come out and do an interview and say, that's not true. I'm not having that being printed about me. Slight contrast to what happens with the France national team on international break. The least we say about that, the better. Um, look, I like this team right now. You're 100% right. Figures like Fernandez, Fred has come into his own. McTominay has become a more influential character. He's not 
he's not liking McTominay, but he's a more, you know what I mean? He's a likable player and he, you know what you get with him. Um, throughout the team, there's no one I, I really don't like. Maybe apart from one or two bad eggs who have been there before Solskjaer, who also deserves credit for getting rid of a few bad eggs last year. So hopefully, hopefully next summer, there'll be one particular bad egg who'll be, who'll be gone. We'll move to the bad egg, who I have a feeling we're talking about. I'll go back to Fred for a minute. Of course, our friend Matthew Henderson has been a big advocate of Fred for a number of years now. I still think he gives the ball away too much, but I'm really starting to see it with Fred. He, I think the way he breaks up play, he's, he's dogged. He's a nuisance. I have to hold my hands up and say, Matt, that you were right and I was wrong. Are you, are you a Fred fan? Yeah, no, I am. He's a, he's a bee, a bumblebee. He just buzzes around the pitch and he, as you say, he's a complete nuisance. He's stinging players. He puts his foot in and he intercepts quite a bit. Now, he's used to the ball at times. You're right. He, he's, not, he's not a great passer of the ball, I don't think. But there was signs at the weekend against the Hampton that I, I noticed him kind of shimmy around the player and get a pass off. Um, fantastic. That's his job is to break up play. And, and I mentioned transitions with Danny Van de Beek. When, when Fred plays that role, it's to get the ball back quickly and just get the ball to Van de Beek or Fernandez. And get up the pitch. That, that's his job. The biggest question for Fred has been in recent weeks is can he do that job on his own? Now, he started in the Champions League last time out against Istanbul on his own without a partner like Matic and without a partner like, say, McTominay. I don't think any of those three midfielders are suited to that role on their own at the moment against most teams. Fred did well against Istanbul, but in the greater picture, I think that he's not, he's not a good enough holding midfielder. I think he's very, very good. He's going to be a very good squad player um, for Manchester United. He's better than a lot we've had in recent years in midfield, put it that way. We, we've had some shambolic players for Man United in recent years. Fellaini, he's not, he was not a Manchester United footballer. Fred is a lot, lot better than him. And that's what Solskjaer is doing. He's trying to build a squad. And I think Fred will have a place. But I will be hoping next season, Jimmy, that um, it'll, it'll be someone else who'll be starting in that role. And it won't be Fred Matic. Um, yeah, I think we should, someone better should be in there. You touched on Pogba a moment ago. Even when he's not playing, we're talking about him. He's inescapable. I actually find it draining, Dale that yeah. we're after four years we're still talking about Pogba we're still wondering what type of midfielder he is I think the last couple of games have proved in my opinion at least many would probably say I'm talking nonsense that Pogba no longer fits into this United team he's no longer a player I look at and think he must command a place in this team this notion that we have to fit him in I think is detrimental to the team I think it's detrimental to Solskjaer of course, there is pressure of, I suppose, getting a £90 million player into your team. I recognise that. But he hasn't been missed the last number of games. I personally, I don't want to see Pogba back in the team. No, he doesn't warrant the place. And what, what you mentioned, you're right. Since he's been out of the team, we started clicking again. But if you throw back to, to last season, in January when Bruno came, Pogba wasn't back fit then. He came in after Project Restart. But we started to click in January without him. And I remember a lot of praise going to McTominay and Fred at the time because they, that's when they really kind of started playing well together. It's no surprise that we're seeing that again this season. And it's no surprise either that the start of the year when we were so inconsistent, it's because one of the players of the pitch was Paul Pogba. And 
I, I, I've been accused a number of times on, on social media of having an agenda against Pogba. I, I didn't. I didn't until now um, because I didn't see a reason for it. But there's so much evidence of four years of, of bad performances. I think anyone that's sticking up for him right now is, is sticking up for mediocrity. This Manchester United team does not, does not play better with Paul Pogba in it. I've seen not many appearances from Donny van de Beek who I'm gleaming over. You know what I mean? In four years of Pogba, and this is, this is my view on him, I think that's very, very telling. I think it's... It, Pogba, Pogba's biggest problem is, and I mentioned the, the, the French team already, is Pogba can't take any criticism. He wants to be told he's fantastic and that he's the best, like Rayola always tells him. And the second that someone questions him, he throws his dummy out of the pram. I don't want players like that. The, the, Neymar is one of them. I wouldn't have Neymar at Manchester United. Imagine a team with Neymar and Pogba. And I know people on FIFA or Twitter would be, I don't know what term to say, that's PG, but would be creaming their cacks maybe at the thought of, of, of Neymar and, and Pogba. But it's not for me. That's not for me. And you can win your Champions Leagues with that, but that, I, I, I wouldn't enjoy that. I wouldn't enjoy Pogba and Neymar in the same team. They infuriate me. Um, so I look at Pogba, I don't feel sorry for him anymore. Big money he's been on. He's demanded big money. He thinks he's the, the star of this team. Quite clearly is not the case. And he's been shown up. I think Bruno Fernandes has really shown up Paul Pogba. He's come in with a different attitude. And people can say as a defence, oh, you're expecting Paul Pogba to do something that he's never done. I'm expecting Paul Pogba to, to work hard. That's do what the, I'm expecting. And do the basics. Do the basics. and No, do the minimum, which is to work hard for, the, for, for your team. And I don't see it. I, it's, not, it's not really an agenda to say that. If people create this bollocks. It's just, I don't want to be slagging off any United players. When, I, when Paul Pogba signed, I was excited. Superstar, brilliant. The, the, the player that we should, we should have never let go. That's not the case. The player we should never have brought back. And Ferguson was right. Ferguson's no fool there. Ferguson was right. I mean, you, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Bruno has shown him up in terms of effort, leadership, influence. I mean, if you consider the impact Bruno has had in six months, I haven't seen many games Pogba's dominated in four years. I think of the second half against City yeah, when we yeah. were tuning down. A couple of games at the beginning of when Solskjaer came in, which you would expect, the new manager bounce. It always happens. But I think then he reverted to type. I don't think he's as good as what we've been led to believe he's as good as. No. No, well, the thing is, Jimmy, is people talk about Pogba White at Juventus. That's four years ago. That's four years of football. People talk about what the, the World Cup with France. Yeah, great, great, great side. But I've watched, I've watched France the last two internationals. And Didier Deschamps has used this time to, to have a go at Solskjaer. And he spoke about how well Pogba played against Portugal. If you haven't seen the game, please go back and watch it, right? Pogba doesn't do anything particularly wrong. But to say he had a good game, it's just an example of what I'm saying about Pogba goes to France. He's rubbed, his shoulders are massaged. He's told he's fantastic. He's told Manchester United are evil. Forget about them. And it's complete and utter rubbish. I, like, Solskjaer has 20 players or so to deal with and to get the best out of. 
And I think one of his flaws, I would say, is he spent too much time with Pogba. At the start of the season, he had COVID, and I think he rushed him back. And it was kind of an ex- it was proof that at the time, Solskjaer felt he has to have Pogba in his team. I'd be very surprised, Jimmy, if he goes back to that now, um, unless we see another dip in form. I think looking at the midfield now and the way in which it operates, probably we haven't been happy with a midfield, you know, midfield like this in about, I don't know, six, seven years maybe. It's been a long time we've, that we've complained about midfields. Of course, the beauty of this is, is that no United fan will see it the same way. Yeah. And for, for anyone listening who thinks we're wrong, please let us know. We welcome all that feedback. Final question, Dale, because I'm conscious of time. I want to leave you go. Yeah. Uh, January is approaching, of course. Do you think United will look to get some new faces in? Of course, we know Diallo is coming, but do you think there will be more? I'm going to give a political answer. I'd say it depends on the market. Um, look, it's, it's, going, it's a tougher January than usual. January is always tough, and you're, it's very rare you land the Bruno Fernandes in January. It, what, how Manchester United will operate is they look at who is available. Can they afford? Um, they should be looking at what deals they can pull strings on. I seen yesterday in the media, um, Pau Torres at Villarreal, the centre-back with a £60 million buyout clause. It's a player Manchester United have been looking at. Um, the, media, the report went on to suggest that they might try and offer Eric Bali back to Villarreal. And I think that that's a great idea. The swap deals like that are probably the way forward. Um, looking at the way fans still aren't back at games, how many millions per home match Manchester United are missing out on as a result of that. So I don't expect them to go back in for Jadon Sancho or anything like that in January. Hopefully there'll be a few outgoings. Hopefully the likes of... Phil Jones might find a new home. Um, but I'm not sure about that. But look, one signing maybe, if one comes, comes available, I would love to see a centre-back brought in. I think that's where we really, really, really need a signing right now because I've mentioned already, we can beat teams with our attacking players. But it's going to be a matter, throughout the season, I feel, that we're going to need to outscore the other team. And until we find the defence... Manchester United would struggle to control games. And it's sorry to bring up our own podcast. Me, Steph and Mike spoke this morning. He brought up the big thing about controlling games. And that's where United lack. And he, he, he's spot on. Because if you control a game, you're going to blow. You're going to probably win the league this season. You can get control of the opposition. You're probably going to win the league. The problem is we, we play catch up. We're 2 0 down at half time. And then shit is the fan. We have to break teams down. We have to. Find ways to niggle in. What I want to see is a good defender come in and keep some clean sheets. Keep some clean sheets because that, that, that attacking lineup, they, they'll blow teams apart. You mentioned Phil Jones. We were alive when Phil Jones was on corners. We can look back and say that. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 I think actually, jokes aside, that's probably one of the highlights of the post Alex Ferguson era. That, like, I've seen Phil Jones take corner kicks. Louis van Gaal was fantastic, okay? Because I know results, results weren't great and football was, was really boring. But as a character, as a person, I love him. He was crazy. He, was, he never came out of the touchline. He never, never stood out giving orders. But the one time he did, he, he made a really dramatic and fell over. You know what I mean? It's fantastic. Brilliant. Dale, great to see you. I appreciate your time as always. Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you. I'm off to get a haircut now. 
Life is good again. The Barbers are open. United have a win. United have a centre forward. How bad? There you go. So you throw a centre back in, we'll be all happy. Thanks a million. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Red Devil Talk. We hope you enjoyed our latest episode and don't forget you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Red Devil Talk. If you listen on an Apple device, please consider leaving a review and a five-star rating. If you have any questions or comments or want more information on Red Devil Talk podcasts, you can get in touch via email at reddevilTalkMedia at gmail.com. The Red Devil Talk podcasts are a Red Devil Talk Media production.